episode 532 with Mr. Dominic Milton Trotton. It's one of the OGs. He's been on here like five times before episode 50. He's one of the original guests. Go back. He's for the true believers. He's for the hardcore podcast fans. He's the author of The Drug User's Bible, which is a definitive encyclopedia. There it is, a definitive encyclopedia for really all recreational drugs. But I'm going to butcher your introduction, so introduce yourself, man. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm Dominic Milton Trotz, and uh, I wrote The Drug User's Bible, but uh, over a 10-year period, during which I self-administered 157 different drugs because I, I believe that to actually write about the experience and um, how much judgment is impaired, etc., it's necessary to actually have the experience. Um, and I produced it because um, there's a dearth of factual, actual information in the mainstream media about drugs. Um, and most drug fatalities, well, many of them at least are, are caused by ignorance and error. Uh, and I believe that education is a, a major uh, way to prevent or reduce the number of issues around the, uh, the drug scape. Uh, so I wrote a book which, for every, all these drugs, um, detailed the dose, the effective dose, the, the thresholds, the onset time, uh, combination data, the duration, um, all the information I believe that anybody who is determined to take a drug uh, uh, needs to help them stay alive. Um, so it's, uh, it's pretty weighted, but it was 157, oh, sorry, 520 pages long. Um, and uh, it's been my life's work for 10 years. Uh, and hopefully it's had some effect in terms of uh, helping people out. Well, I have taken away from it to never take uh, nutmeg. Yeah, that's <laughs> fun. I mean, I, 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 the original title of the Drug Users Bible was The Honest Drug Book because uh, there's a great deal of honesty, dishonesty around drugs, uh, propaganda, myths, lies. Um, and it, it surprises some people that um, drugs that are considered to be dangerous aren't actually particularly dangerous. And drugs that are not even considered to be drugs can be absolutely fatal. And nutmeg is, is one of them. It's a deliriant. And uh, if you have too much of it, it can kill you. Uh, and the experience itself, delirium is not a pleasant place to be. Um, in fact, it's horrendous. Uh, yet people do persist on playing with nutmeg and deciding to experiment with it. Um, I just felt that, yeah, I, I did have a did have the nutmeg. Uh, I just felt that, you know, just telling people, <clears throat> even giving people that factual information on on something like a delirium, like nutmeg, you say, you must not have nutmeg, it's, it's bad. If you're lying all the time and you're saying the same thing about, say, cannabis, mm -hmm. nobody's going to take that message seriously. So when I actually say, you know, you really don't want to be playing with, with nutmeg, I'll explain why what the experience is, what the risks and dangers are. Um, and that is set against the relative risks, the truth with respect to all the other drugs. Uh, so, yeah, nutmeg is, is one of the the worst experiences I ever had with the drug. And it's it's extremely dangerous drug to, to experiment and, and play with. So for everybody listening, 
we've done several episodes and each episode we normally choose what two three drugs to kind of go into and talk about your yeah. experiences with and i think to date my favorite one was uh was it bang lossy bang loss it has oh, the, yeah we'll, we'll say again for we don't we won't go into it now uh because our time is limited but there is an episode where he talks about it's like a it's like a hard cannabis hashish kind of drink and uh, mm. and Dominic drinks it, and he's in like India or something, and uh, mm-hmm. he ends up watching this like these like funeral pyres on like the side of a river, <laughs> and he's like he's like I'm fine, I'm fine, and then as anyone that has smoked too much at one point in their life knows, the anxiety hits, and then you realize that you're in a foreign country watching bodies being burned on a river, and you're like I don't speak the language, and you're like what the fuck am I doing, and uh, so that's just <laughs> kind of like the that's kind of the gist of like what these episodes are. So I highly recommend people going into them. These aren't, these aren't cold scientific and here's the enantiomer and a hydroxy. No, it's Dom. Like, you know, I'm in the back of a cat and I can't do your accent. I'm in the back of a cab and I'm high as a kite and there are these burning bodies. And I'm like, is the cab driver trying to kill me? And I wake up the next morning and yeah, it wasn't that bad. And, uh, so that's what these episodes are like. And they're absolutely fantastic. And it and a a sin on my part that I haven't had you on more recently. It's been a rather uh, hectic twenty twenty one. But um, <laughs> so which 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 are we going on? Because it's what two twenty six now. My time. I can do about an hour from this point. So yeah, we can do. It. I thought what I'd do is I, I, I can talk about yeah. a drug I've had recently. Okay, and then I can give you a bit of my perspective of. of that I've been studying with psychedelics with respect to the nature of time. As, uh, really as Huxley said on, as Aldous Huxley said in Doors of Perception when he was on Mescaline, he said, "What do you think about time?" And he goes, "There's plenty of it." <laughs> <laughs> if only that was true. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to stop running my stupid mouth and Dom. How about you take it away, my friend? Okay, well, I, I have a, a sort of joke at the start of the book because I once read on mm-hmm. on a um, on a forum people talking about uh, oh I'm trying to eyeball this drug and they were trying to put it in their eyes. They'd they'd misunderstood the term eyeball. eyeball. <laughs> you know, if you eyeball a, a sort of a dose of cocaine, yeah. it means you actually look at it and sort of have that much yeah. of it. Yeah. And, and 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 so you know that's not a good idea. Where you, where your powder, where your drugs, uh, but some somebody was think, trying to I literally put this Christ stuff in the eyeball. So obviously it's a safety book. You know, it's the subtitle is is harm reduction, risk mitigation, personal safety. So I didn't really think I had to say it, but I said it anyway, and I say that uh, you know don't don't. Put anything in your eyes um, as a sort of tongue-in-cheek, you know, light-hearted jest. However, <laughs> I recently discovered something called sananga, which which is a, is a root used in the Amazon, and I'll, it's not actually in the drug users' Bible yet because. Um, it's only recently, and I will actually get it in, in some sort of update or upgrade at some point in the future. And, I, and I'll, I'll just find the notes I've taken uh, and, and, and read the intro to it, just to to explain what what it what it is, if I can find it. Yeah, you're good. Take your time. 
Yeah, that's don't panic, that's, Steve. Don't no, panic. You're, until you're somewhere. No, you can, you find it. No, you're fine. Yeah, that's hilarious. Here it is. Oh. Yeah, Sunanga. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's sometimes used in ayahuasca ceremonies. It wasn't used in mine. Um, and it's known as for its use as a travel Amazonian eye medicine, uh, in particular to sharpen night vision. However, the internet is also awash with claims regarding psychoactivity and spiritual use. Uh, it aligns the chakras and all this sort of sure. third eye, you know, uh, stuff that people talk about. So I thought, oh, great, okay, well, I've, I've got to get hold of this route. And it, it's, you, you drop it in your, in your eyeball um, and uh, it hurts. It's supposed to hurt. So it wasn't something I was thinking, oh, this is going to be uh, a barrel of laughs. Um, and it took me forever to actually get hold of it, but I did. Uh, and uh, so I got the, the little bottle. Thought, okay, well, you put two drops in each eye, then you close your eye and you try not to scream too loudly. And then it happens, whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I lay on the bed, and it's legal because it's not—it's it's just sort of not not a drug, really. It's—it's, it's, uh, and I bought it from this country, funnily enough, someone else had imported it. So I didn't do anything illegal. Um, I got hold of it and I stuck it in my eye. Um, and for a minute or two, uh, I think mean, it stings and burns as anticipated, and my closed eye eyes water, despite attempting to retain the fluid. I blink a few tears, uh, I blink a few times and tears run down my face onto the pillow. There is a rush of blood to my head and a humming sensation, but it all, all quickly passes and I lie still and quiet for five minutes. Okay, so yeah, my me, me brain goes sort of hot and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, thinking, well, there's no real route to, to do that, sort of biologically, that I'm aware of. Um, maybe it was just the shock of putting this painful stuff in there. And I sort of got up and walked downstairs and sort of thinking, well, I've got super, supersonic vision now. Um, and everything seems to be a bit sharper. You know, it's not the problem with something like this. It was like the patch I had in Vietnam, which, which was a sort of tobacco thing. When you've got a traumatic bang, there is a bit of a reset mm. in terms of your mind and your psyche and, and how you're seeing things. Um, a bit with like when you have nitrous oxide, you know, it's a sudden shock. It, so, just, so I'm walking around and I'm thinking, you know, is this placebo or is I, am I really seeing things a bit more? More, more clearly. And I wasn't sure, so the following day I thought, I'll, I'll do this again. Well, I did a bit earlier, I did this one, 4.30pm the following day. Um, first came the sting, then the burn, after which I sort of, I sort of meditate into the headiness. So there's definitely something happening in my head, but you know, it could just be the trauma. Um, and I focus on the breathing, and we're supposed to meditate in the, in the Amazon into this thing. Um, and at the end of it, you know, I got up and I walked around and still wasn't sure about the vision. Um, I did notice that at the time when I, when I did this, I was a bit stressed. And at the end of it, I wasn't really stressed at all. So the results were sort of inconclusive, but I couldn't dismiss that it was having some sort of effect 
but I couldn't confirm it was having an effect, whether it was just the fact that I put this painful fluid in my eyebrow um, that was just... And if I'd have put salty water or something in it, it would have had the same effect. I don't know. I haven't ever put salty water or or, or, or anything like that in, in my eyes before. But I wasn't blind. I wasn't impaired. I was... You know, I did sort of feel that the vision was a bit sharpened, but maybe that was the reset going on. Um, and my conclusion was, don't know. I mean, I'd like to do it actually in the Amazon because I find that with a lot of the, the sort of botanical drugs that I've had, set and setting is actually a really important part of the, the process. Like, you know, with ayahuasca, the ceremonies do do you, help you actually take the journey. Do you, do you, so um, whereas this might be the same. Do you feel, if I can interrupt, do you, yeah, do you feel that, uh, that does have a huge effect? Like, um, like I don't, I don't really like any sports. I don't follow them passionately, but like I have been to like a baseball game in a baseball stadium in the United States or like a football game or a basketball yeah. game when you're actually there and you like walk into the stadium and it's, you know, if it's like a closed dome and it's really high up and there's loud speakers and it like echoes, echoes and it's like, and now, and it's like, everyone's there and there's 10,000 people there. Like, uh, my older brother went to a NASCAR race once and, you know, just racing cars. And he was like, I went there to kind of make fun of it. And he's like, and I went there, I ended up loving it because on TV you just see, oh, it's cars going in a circle when you're there and he's like it's these machines screaming by at 200 miles an hour so as someone that's really only ever done drugs in like my own setting like when I did experiment with them like 2013 to 2015 I was often doing it in my own room do you find that as someone that has written the book on it do you find that there are that that does have a profound effect like set and setting depends on the drug uh, but set and setting certainly with psychedelics um, you know, you mentioned the sort of uh, baseball match or could be a football match over here. But, you know, you are part of the atmosphere when you go to the ground, mm-hmm. go to the stadium. Um, you're experiencing a different... You know, to having TV. a different experience to, the, to one that is watching, basically watching flashing lights on the screen when you're watching it on the television set. You're sitting in your living room on a couch versus... Yeah, you and you've got, but when you're in it, you've got more three-dimensional... Uh-huh. Uh, you, you, all your senses are firing, and it's a radically different experience. Uh, now, add a drug to that equation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fair, Fair enough. So, you know, if it's a psychedelic drug, even non-psychedelic drugs as well, you know, it, 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 it does tend to dramatically change the experience itself. Um, and, you know, and, and in some cases it can... For some drugs, it can be quite important to, to have the right setting setting. Uh, you know, a lot of, you know, you'd say if you had ecstasy in your house, fine. But if you have it in an intimate club, uh, you're going to have a much richer, likely to have a much richer experience with other people mm-hmm. because it is an empathogen. Mm-hmm. So you've got that relationship uh, aspect to it going on. So that the, the, uh, the experience is going to be richer and different to to if you sat and had uh, a dose of uh, MDMA ecstasy in your house. Um, with um, psychedelics, you know, you're on a tape that you have a journey. And, you know, the set and setting, where you're having it, what the circumstances are, will, will, will 
open the sort of path for you on a particular type of journey. Uh, and and uh, for psychedelics, it's very, very important that mm-hmm. you, you do have a reasonable set and setting because it works the other way. If you have a bad one, you can have a bit of a bit of a nasty experience if you're not careful. Um, so yeah, so with, with, with a, a lot of drugs, in circumstance set, setting, you, you might, you're just in mindset uh, can determine the nature of the experience you're actually going to have. And that's what I felt at the end of end of this. I, I sort of had it in a sort of clinical, scientific, in a clean bedroom on a clean bed with a pillow. Um, and and uh, at the end of it, it was even inconclusive. But I, I I didn't expect anything from it because I just couldn't. I still can't believe you put something in your eye and have some sort of you know. But but uh, it wouldn't be the first time I'd been proven wrong. Um, so I'd like to do it again. In in, uh, in a more authentic setting, which would have to be South America, and uh, if I could do that, I'll obviously write it up again. And unless it, unless I completely glossed over me, what were the actual mental effects? I know you said you could see things; it was sharper. Was there any profound psych? Or no, was there was no, really there was no psychedelic journey. Okay. My my sort of head it was like a rush, okay. blood to the head, if you like. My, my actual brain as an organ felt hot. My head felt hot. Okay. Um, now, could easily that have been caused by the shock of suddenly this really, really, really painful thing going in your eye. Yeah. And yeah. then having to do it in the other eye before you actually... You yeah, know, like an adrenaline. Lost the plot. So suddenly everything's going on because you're thrust into this, this space of of pain and stinging and, and, and what's going on um, around me. So, again, that's why I'm, I'm sort of inconclusive about whether there was actually an effect from the Sananga or whether whether that was all caused by the mere fact that I'd put some some uh, foreign body into my into my eyeball. Yeah. Um, which, uh, you know, I didn't even know this thing existed until I was reading uh, a the book on on the, on the Amazon and there was these tribes of using Australia helps them you know so I investigated it and sure enough it's real um, and then I hunted it down as I tended to do with the others and and uh, found that actually I can have this at home because it's legal um, and that's for the last eighteen months a year you know I've I've had to have legal drugs because. Yeah. Stop. I've been able to travel to yeah. to get to places to actually have any any uh, psychoactive experiences. Not that there's there's too many that I, I want to to sort of identify and seek out. And I've been I've been at the uh, 157, but there are some. But I've been able to travel, so I've had to sort of uh, find uh, psychoactives that I can actually legally get hold of and and take here without. I mean, to worry about the police uh, breaking the door down and storming in. Um, not, you know, that sounds par- paranoid, but no, it's, you know, it's I'm the author of a drug book. It's not the last thing not, I need. I don't it's, think it's paranoid, man. I don't think it's yeah. paranoid at all. It's who is it? Sh- Sh- Alexander was it? Shogun? Shogun? Yeah, I mean, he, he, place, yeah he knew they were watching. I mean, I can only imagine they had a beat on Terence McKenna. It's not Ramdas, <laughs> Timothy Leary. It's not paranoia, yeah. man. It's not paranoia yeah, at all. I just, I just felt, you know, well, 
I can I can actually wait till I can travel you know, rather than actually setting myself up with with uh, with le- illegal uh, drugs um, in the house. I think I'm bad I've luck been for you. Sort of scraping the barrel a bit for the last year. I think, uh, I think I'm bad luck for you. We uh we first met. We started doing podcasts, and you were like, "I'm really excited to start." You know, you're like, "I got several more I want to go see." And like, mm-hmm. within like a week of you and I doing our first podcast, it was like worldwide pandemic. <laughs> yeah, really unfortunate. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, there's nothing I'm burdening to 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 actually to because I I got all the to all intents and purposes I've covered the drugs that. You know, 90, 95, 99% of people are ever going to encounter. Yeah. But, you know, I've got this sort of intellectual curiosity with a few few plants here and there sure. and, and a, a sure. few things that I sort of like to sort of wonder yeah. if that would actually be different to this. I will go and find out. So it's more just curiosity, really, that I'd like to, find the... to sort of cover a few more for my, myself. But I haven't been able to, unfortunately. I've been stuck. Go find the uh, the esoteric kind of niche niche drugs that maybe aren't super mainstream, but yeah, yeah they're, they're not. And, and you know, not you know, I say some of them people what we've heard of them, and, and so why why are you bothering? Well, I'm bothering because I want to see if it's different. I mean, yeah. one of the things that you know, it was hard work writing the book. It was. You know, there were times when I'd had some bad experiences. And, Why am I? <laughs> this is just crazy. What the fuck am I doing? But I'm sort of driven to, you know, at the end of it, I'm going to produce something that, that might actually save lives. Uh, but, but on the other side of that, there was the, you know, the, the, there was a lot of stimulation in terms of interest. Um, I was really interested in certain drugs that I, that I was getting hold of and experimenting with in terms of, you know what, what? What's this experience going to be like? I'm sort of intrigued. Uh, you know what's you know some of the very well-known one. What, what's dimethyltryptamine going to be like? What's ayahuasca going to be like? You know, you hear stories about ayahuasca. What's you know what? What is it actually like? Um, and how can I actually then articulate that in a, a rational and sensible way that someone who's not had it can actually understand what it's like? So there's all sorts of you know plants and uh, chemicals that and you know i enjoyed exploring and i was really curious about uh to to uh, to find out um and i've sort of got through to a sort of end of that and then you, you still have this sort of scratch it's itching the, in, in the brain where you're thinking mm, maybe that will be a bit different to what i thought it would be when i didn't take it and i should go back and do that so so yeah, there's a few a few things I'd like to to travel and and experience just for curiosity, really. But I've not been able to, unfortunately. At at the risk of being self congratulatory to ourselves or patting ourselves, it is kind of. I mean, you're it's kind of an explorer, right? It'd be like mm. it'd be like if you were in like I don't know, like England or some shit in like the 1500s, and it was like all exploring is bad. You know, like mm-hmm. cannabis. All exploring is bad. And sometimes it's true. Sometimes you go sink your ship or you get, I don't know, killed and raped by Vikings. But sometimes you go discover, like, a tropical island. And it's like, it's not all that bad. And you go out there, or like Charles Darwin, right? 
going out there, oh, you're just finding. I found. Yeah, so you, I had some really, really good experiences. That's what I mean is going out and, there and uh, documenting, and here's this new bird with this weird wings, and they, yeah. you know, they draw it down, and they come back, and they're like, hey, there are these weird finches and, and turtles on these islands, and it's sometimes, it sometimes you know, you'll get massacred by savages, but like. To say that there's all exploration is bad, sure. Sometimes you blow up going into space, like Columbia or Challenger, but sometimes mm. you walk on the moon, and it's like the nature of exploration is is like, yeah, you might die and it might be horrible, but <laughs> but you might be Christopher Columbus, you might be Neil Armstrong, right? It's like there well, is that... every 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 measure I could do to stop to, to prevent myself from dying. Sure. As you know, I had I had a, a few flush shirts and a few horrendous uh, experiences out there. But, you know, it was, you know, the joy of the journey was the exploration and the the sort of um, identification of new, the, sort of the experiencing of new experiences, mm-hmm. uh, if that makes sense, and that I've never had before, um, which... Um, and that's what, you know, there's a nice adjunct here, a nice bridge to the to the other part of what sort of talk about the nature of time. This new experiences uh, is one of the one of the uh, you know one of the things that made me start thinking about time. And I didn't think about time. You know, what's he talking about? Well, I'm I'm quite old relative to you. And um, one of the things I've noticed was. How old are you? One of the things that everybody notices, old enough to remember the Beatles. Okay. Uh, one of the things that everybody notices when you get older is that time passes more quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, if you t- if you talk to a sixty year old man or woman, uh, and you sort of say, "Well, what? Which pass pass more slowly, ten to twenty, or forty to fifty? And they'll always say. 40, uh, 10 to 20 was much more slow than 40 to 50. 50 to 60 was much faster than 40 to 50. So it's like this acceleration of, of, of speed through time. Um, and that, that perception is, 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 is uni- pretty much universal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's videos being made on it. I think it's called Xenocide. Um, and everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, nobody talks about it. And nobody talks about, well, why? Some people do, but generally it's not spoken. You'll not read it in the mainstream media, um, generally speaking. Um, you know, time is passing. So if you're old, you start, you start, you should. I mean, I'm sure people do. I, I do. I think, well, okay, well, I think I've got a quarter of my life in front of me because about this year, so I'll live to that year. And you're actually thinking about it, and thinking, actually, I haven't, because time is accelerating. So in terms of my life experience, I've got less than 10%. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. then you can start thinking about this brick wall that you're going to smash into it at increasingly high speed called death. Um, so I was sort of thinking like, I'm thinking, well, why does time speed up? And is there anything I can do to prevent time speeding up? Uh, so that these last few years I've got, I can make them last as long as, say, uh, 0 to 10 or 10 to 20, if, which seem to last forever. If I can uh, if I can interrupt for a second, sorry. Yeah, as, um, yeah I, I've always known that's a thing, and I think they've tried to explain it biologically. Like, do you actually perceive time going by faster? But 
I, I think it was Joe Rogan that said, and it was actually pretty simple. And he goes, is it just percentages? When you, the difference between the age nine and 10 is one year, that's 10% of your life. I'm 30. The difference between 30 and 31, or I'm 31 now, excuse me. The difference between 30 and 31 is 3% of my life. That's only one year. The difference between 50 and 51 is what? 2% of your life. So it's, Am I doing the math right? I'm doing the. I'm not. Doing yeah, the math I, mean, right. I, I know the argument, but sure. you know that doesn't. That doesn't. You know, it when, when you one to ten, you're not thinking about what percentage you'd be likely to sure. get in. Sure. And when, sure. You, when you say twenty, you're not thinking. You know, so that's not apparent. Okay. And and I I sort of started thinking about well, okay, well, what times of my life? Forget well, what age I was. What was I doing and what, what parts of my life went more slowly than others? And what what I found was was that the times in which I was actually having novel experiences, new experiences, went more slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the times which I was sort of between 30 and 40, say, when I was working in an IT department at a bank, and it was a routine habit. Yeah. They went quickly, because I can't remember anything about them. It was all the same. It was habit. Okay, So I started exploring and thinking about that, and, and that made me sort of contemplate, um, first of all, what McKenna talks about, which is habit versus novelty. But, but more fundamental than that, what is it that how are we experiencing time and reality and how does that relate to novelty um so before i before i got into this too too deeply i thought about i I gave myself a science lesson um and none of this is contentious it's all sort of accepted as as how it works when when you see an object we'll take sight for it first of all and how you're perceiving vision when you see an object, sort of say that pair of sunglasses, uh, what, what's actually happening is you're, you're actually, the light's coming into your eyeballs and your sensory uh, signals going to your brain and you're interpreting them. And what you're doing is you're, you're looking, you're searching patterns, pattern recognition, and you're, you're actually finding something in your brain closest to that light pattern and those signals and thinking, ah, sunglasses. And that you project that out and that's what you see. So you sort of project, um, when you pick to something else, it's when you do the same thing. So you project out this sort of hallucination, if you like, from sensory inputs. Okay. And I'm going to give you a little experiment here to actually illustrate what I mean, because I probably haven't articulated that very well, but um, hopefully this will make it more clear. More, uh, more clear. Um, here we go. I show you that, and what do you see? Two faces. What is it? Two faces. Well, actually, you could say it's a candle holder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You said it was two faces because of the imprints. That's the more that's the strongest imprint that you've got in your pattern bank, if you like, is okay. pattern recognition. Okay. And you're projecting out and seeing two faces. Whereas I saw a candle, actually. I think you're gonna say a candle holder. When I first saw that, 
you know, I obviously have a, a stronger imprint of that sort of white shirt, not two faces. So I saw a candle holder. Oh my God, it's two faces. If I'm looking at it, so somebody mentions it to me. Because I'm projecting out what I'm seeing and you're projecting out. Let's give you another example. Okay. This is a this is a more common more common example. What are you seeing there from that? A duck or like a A duck? A well duck. you could say it's a rabbit looking to the left. Oh, okay. All right. You yeah. see what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So some people will see a duck and okay. some people will see a rabbit. You know, and there are countless, an infinite number of optical illusions like that. And optical illusions are always caused because you're actually projecting out what you're seeing uh, uh, based upon what's in your sort of pattern recognition bank, if you like. Okay. And that pattern recognition bank is 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 based upon the strength of the 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 inputs uh, into it. And I'll give you another example. If I walk. No, I won't give this example I'll just reinforce this because it's really important that people do understand that that's how you create your reality. Uh, your, the strength of your imprints, the number of times you've seen a, a particular scenario, if you like, will have a direct a, a direct effect on what you see and how you see things. Because your your mind, when it's, it's trying to find out what is it, and it's also conscious, obviously, and come back with it, it will find the strongest imprint, what you've been traditional and most exposed to. Okay, so that's that's how you project out what you say. The same thing happens with audio. If I mumble some words, you know, blah, 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 you'll try subconsciously to fit the words to what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And, and and if it's close enough to something you're expecting, that's what you'll hear. So sight works in the same way. Hearing works in that way. This is how you, all the other sensory organs work in the same way. And this is how you build this world out there. You have this sort of series of imprints and you've, you've created this bank, if you like, um, and, and, and you will... Find the, the, the closest pattern, and that's what what you will see. But you do it subconsciously, uh, and you don't know you're doing it. Okay, so it's habit. You see, we're, we're coming to habit of seeing something frequently will strengthen the imprint, and you're thus more likely to see that with with various you know various other scenarios and similar patterns. Okay. So you know, you saw a rabbit, or or or, or, uh, or was it the duck you saw? You know, because you you've obviously got a stronger patterns in that sort of area, and I have a stronger pattern with the rabbit, and, and, and you know that's basically how you build it around you. But it's all happened subconsciously. Okay, so and and the problem you've got is is, is habit subconscious when you're subconsciously experiencing something you're not noticing you're doing it and the time is passing without you noticing it okay okay um let me just throw a real world example i walk for a swim every night and it's about half a mile away i've got the same walk and you can ask me any night oh what happened on the walk here what did you see can't remember 
If I did a 500-yard walk in the middle of Kathmandu and then somebody said, what did you see? I'd be buzzing. I'd remember every detail, the smells, the sight, the sounds, uh, because it would be novel. And it's the re-imprinting of the novelty into your psyche, into your bank, that is time for print there that you can remember and you're actually having a real time related experience so you can see where this is going with respect to time Mm -hmm. if you're doing something habitually it's moved into the subconscious subconscious means you're not conscious of it meaning that in terms of time it's not happening it's flown by okay if you're having a novel experience like this 500 meter walk in Kathmandu, it's all new. You're, you're creating fresh imprints. You're going to remember that. And then if you, if you uh, then go back to your normal life, it's hardwired. This is a novel set of imprints. My goodness, I remember that. Then if you go somewhere else, say uh, two weeks, Following that 500-meter walk in Kathmandu, say you go to, I don't know, the Amazon, and you you go to, you're not being there, Cusco, and, and you go and have a, have a walk around the the uh, ayahuasca village, wherever you retreat, where you went. Novel, never been there, never experienced anything like that. It doesn't have to be a place. It can be an experience, or oh, I've novel ayahuasca. Wow, crap. So you've got the guy who's, who's spending a year working in his garage doing the same thing all, all the time. You've got the same guy, instead of the following year, or a different guy at the same time, having these novel experiences every few weeks, uh, having new fresh imprints into his bank uh, of novel experiences and actually experiencing time as a result, rather than spending his life largely in the subconscious He's having to use his sensory organs, reinterpret things and put fresh imprints, and he's consciously having these experiences. So at the end of a year, said so guy A has been doing the habitual stuff and guy guy B has been doing the uh, the novel experiences. When they look back on the year, the guy who's been having the habitual year will thought that year flew by. What happened? Whereas the guys of the novel experiences will be, oh, that was a full year. Wow. Yeah, that took a long time. Yeah. You spread that out over more than a year because when you know we're talking longer for a time, over 10 years, and it becomes more apparent because I know that between 30 and 40, I didn't do much novel novelty. There was very little novel in my life. I'd, you know, I'd go on holidays, I'd go to the same sort of, place you know not going to five-star hotel but on a beach resort that's not novelty doesn't matter where if you've gone to another one in a different country it's still not novelty you know it's, it's not different enough um i know that the the, the the 10 years i spent writing the book this is how i got onto this subject of having these novel drug experiences and traveling around the world and putting myself in completely bizarre situations that that 10 years went really slowly, much more slowly than 30 to 40, 40 to 50. 
Okay. So basically what I'm arguing is that the speed with which you experience time is related to the amount of novelty you experience in that time. The less novelty you have, the faster that time will pass when you look at it retrospectively. The more novelty you, you have, you, you experience, the slower that time will pass when you look back on it retrospectively. Um, and knowing that and having a handle on that, and I think it ties with a lot of other people's theories and McKenna's novelty versus habits and all sorts of things. But doing that, that gives you a sort of handle and a mechanism to actually control the speed of your own life. So when I look forward, you know, when I look forward, you know, I think, well, I know that if I sit in this office and, you know, I think I'm having, oh, this is quite contented, da, 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 and I don't do anything, the next 10 years are going to fly by. But I do I also know that if I do what I did the previous 10 years, and I'm, I'm going to really weird places and having outlandish experiences. Um, and it doesn't have to be travel. You can, you can actually find different things to do that you can get to locally or, or do even in your own house. As long as they, these are novel, you know, completely different experiences that make you sort of bring your senses alive to actually experience them. As long as you're having that, um, if I have those in the next 10 years, I know that those 10 years will pass far, far more slowly than if I don't do that. And I think that's, you know, it's, it's, people may argue with that, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty it's, confident I that think I'm, it's brilliant. I, I think I'm right. And I think that, you know, and that's what I think, well, I can't find a counter argument for anything I've said because the science about how you project and, 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 and experience reality is sound. Uh, I've not invented any of that, but he's totally accepted how you how you project on a pattern recognition basis. Watch it. I've given some examples of I've shown you how you do it, um, and I've explained how you know do something a bit. You walk to the club, you won't remember it, and you won't time stop it, but spend five hundred meters in Kathmandu when you bloody well will. <laughs> Uh, and then try and back to it. Just experiment yourself and people who watch this podcast. You do, try doing that. Try purposely seeking out and planning novel experiences in your life. And then, you know, if you're young-ish, then look back on it and you will find that those that time will have passed more slowly than the time in which you just went on sort of, you know, Autobots, Habits, uh, and sort of potted through doing nothing particularly new. Uh, but you don't have to make these experiences novel because, you know, one of the things you do find when you have a novel experience, you know, I've walked through really weird places. And when I've done that, um, of course, they're not weird to the people who live there, yeah. <laughs> but they're weird to me. Got a totally different culture. I've noticed that a few things. One, I feel separate and, 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 and distinct from it. And that's because um, my my eyes are sort of my, my brain's aware that visually this is all different. You better pay attention. Mm -hmm. Ears, smell, taste, everything's all my senses are firing, and I'm almost aware that my senses are on fire, dragging in this new information, this really weird place, 
um, and it's imprinting all this information in my memory banks, which are going to be of an effect on how I perceive it as time. But at the same time, it makes you, it elevates your mind to, to sort of make you happier because, you know, people meditate to separate themselves from the, the sort of, you know, the sort of random thoughts yeah, and yeah. chattery thought. Well, you'd go into a, a really strange environment and, you know, what's the word I'm searching for? Um, you sort of almost become, you know, set completely isolated from the environment, weird environment. You, and you know you're different to this. You know, it's like if you've been from the Enterprise onto an alien planet, you're aware you're on an alien environment and your senses are firing and you're taking everything in and and you feel really quite high on that as a sort of life high, if you like. Well, it's like, it's like driving to a new place instead of going mm-hmm. to the place... To- you know, you ever drive to a new neighborhood to go see a friend and what do you, you got to turn off the radio because you're like, I, hold on, I got to pay attention and it's, yeah, what's it's this and different. everything's alien. You go to Driving's a actually a really good example of something you do habitually. When you first drive, it's exciting and you're alive. And you can remember the first few times you drove Absolutely. and you're driving tests uh, because it's all new and these are novel experiences. And you can remember driving on your first drive alone you know now because you drive so 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 often it's habitual and you can't you don't even think when you're driving you're driving in autopilot it becomes subconscious and And anything that has become subconscious the time you're not conscious of the time and therefore it's totally flying past you it's totally fine you'll look back on it and you think where did that go and driving is a great example of that in real in practice because when you're driving quite a lot, you you, 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 you don't know, you don't know you're putting the, your brake on, and you don't know you're changing gear if you haven't got an automatic. You don't know that, you don't know. It, it's just automatic. You're, you become automatic. It becomes subconscious, and you can't remember anything. You can't remember doing it. Um, just like my walk to the, to the swimming pool every night. I don't remember anything about it. It's become subconscious. Therefore, time is time flies past because you're not conscious of the time you put yourself in a completely alien situation and you become totally conscious of the time because nothing's subconscious you were told you have to be conscious because you're having new imprints taste smell sight hearing it's all new and it's it's been hard imprinted on into your into your psyche uh, there for the future it's like um it's like if you've ever driven into manhattan before like new york city like first time you see new york is amazing first time you i i remember the first yeah. time i saw it the first time i drove in was like 20 drove over that bridge holy shit you feel like you've never driven before <laughs> vroom, 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 yeah. and every exit's like get off now get off right and you're looking around and you can't see everywhere you look up and it's skyscrapers going up a mile and everyone's hawking mm. and you're just, i mean you dude you park the car and you're like but goddamn, if you don't remember at all, no, you don't. I mean, when um, you know, going back to when you between one and ten and ten twenty, the reason that's going more more slowly is because you're having more novel experiences. New. Everything's novel. Okay. okay. As you get older, everything becomes habitual and autopilot. You've seen and done everything, and therefore it's going faster because it becomes subconscious. Now, you've got to actually, if you don't want 
your next 10 years to be faster still than your last one. You get to 60 and 70 and you haven't actually got this idea by now. And you know, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're in the last 1% of your experienced life. Yeah. And you think you've got 10%, like, you know, so you're actually being a serious, you know, why isn't this discussed? You've, you've seriously got a handle on this, got to have a handle on this to slow it down. And this applies to everybody. And, and, you know, it shouldn't be Dominic Milton Trot, the author of the Drug Users Bible, saying this. This ought to be something that society discusses openly, strongly, frequently, uh, and people understand that they can have a, uh, a serious impact on the quality and length of their life by understanding how to slow time down uh, and how subconscious becomes subconscious and how it's important to do more conscious and less subconscious to slow down the remaining years of your life. That should be on the, you know, in the mainstream. That should be something that people, because it affects every human being, mm-hmm. say for everybody. Uh, Yet nobody talks about it. And you know, when I sort of, you know, you've got to be certain type of people to actually have an interest. You know, I don't understand why. I, I try and tell this to someone, and they look at me as though I'm an imbecile. And, you know, I think, oh, it's that with a guy again. And I'm thinking, why aren't you getting? You know, I'm doing you a favour, buddy. By telling you this, yeah, it's I think it's probably the association with, with drugs and preconception. But it's absolutely true though that you can you can you know if you know this and you actually don't take my word for it, do things for yourself, experiment with novelty, read research about novelty, research about how you experience time, um, and spend a bit of time doing it. Uh, and you will hopefully learn how to manage time a bit more effectively for, than than you you would do now, which is basically everybody's got a zero, you know, zero knowledge of how to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's just the way it is. Everything's speeding up. Mm-hmm. And if you actually understood that the implications are, if you if you're fifty or sixty, you've got less than ten percent of your life left. Yeah. Much less because the lot you've got the rest of your life is going to be compressed because you're going to have so little novelty in it. Yeah. You know it all. You've done it all. You've got your habit. You play golf every day, you know, and you think you're having a, a great which uh, autumn of your life, and you're not. You're wasting your life yeah. because it's going to whiz by, and you'll be sorry. Uh, but you can change that. You can have, enjoy your game of golf, but. You enjoy it much, much better if it's interspersed with perhaps of extreme novelty. Yeah, and I think that's the that you've got to find the right pattern for yourself. You know, it's all novelty. You know, you don't really need to do. You don't have novelty, a bit of habit, novelty, a bit of habit. But you've got to manage that that sort of relationship between the two to get the most quality and the, the longest experience time out of your life. Dom, I'm going to run to the bathroom real quick and get some water. Tell everybody where they can get your book. I'll be right back. Okay. Drug Users Bible. It's on Amazon. Uh, it's on most online bookshops. And, uh, yeah, it's 500-odd pages. So what I try to do with the specific drugs is the, the, they have the same sort of format of the data at the start, which is what the doses are, the durations, uh, and, and sort of factual information. 
uh, and then the quality of experience uh, after it, in, in other words, what it was like for me after five minutes, after an hour, after six hours, uh, how much control I had of my faculties, uh, what, you know, was, was it likely to fall into a, uh, a reducing binge, which quite a few drugs cause you to just want more and more and more, you know, and, and was that likely to happen with this drug, uh, and so on and so forth. So I, I maintain the same, the same pattern, the factual stuff, picture of it, and then the quality of experience for all the drugs. The first part of the book is the sort of general introduction uh, to what the different classes of drugs are, a uh, few general safety rules, how to test drugs to make sure you've got what you think you've got, the Ten Commandments of Safer Drug Use, and at the back, the sort of wider drugs in our society and culture, what the relative harms really are, not what the media present them as, what they really are, um, and the war on drugs and uh, some general information and guidance on on the, on the law in case uh, you really don't want to end up in prison and um, drug tourism and so on and so forth. So that's that's the book I'm known for, which is the Drug Users Bible, what I've just been talking about. I'm not known for it. It's just an observation that, that uh, and some conclusions I've reached over the last 10 years in writing that and having all those experiences. You know, I was thinking while you're talking, uh, so I think I, as you and I covered in our early episodes, and as everyone that listens to this podcast knows, I moved home in 2016 to my parents' house. My life was kind of going downhill. I was 26. I was 25. I moved home like a day before my birthday, so 26. And then I just turned 31 three days ago, so roughly five years. I moved out in April. So that four and a half years felt longer than the previous 26 because mm -hmm. every day – I mean, this is before I even started the podcast. I was doing writing, and then I was trying graphic design, and I was living at home and wasn't around any friends. I didn't have a girlfriend. I didn't have a social life, and it was like every day was just madness, just, you know, butting heads with my parents, like, you know, going to the gym, and everyone there was like 75, so my friend circle became like two and a half times my age and then like three times my age. And then even starting the podcast – Right, I started December twelfth, twenty nineteen, which I'm pretty sure is the day there was the first uh, registered COVID case in Wuhan, or at least the world found out. So the podcast mm. pretty much started when COVID started, and you know the the lockdown started what maybe two months after that. And I remember like when the lockdown started, I was like, you know, I can I can come out of this like. I can come out of this quarantine like two different ways. I either I can go crazy or either I can just do like a podcast a day and build up my podcast. And I think a lot of people kind of fell into a rhythm, which makes sense because kind of on the topic for what you're talking about, if you're at like a shitty time in your life, I mean, what's mm -hmm. the best thing to do? Stay busy, right? Because it mm -hmm. just makes the time go by. You have a long mm -hmm. car ride. Listen to an audiobook or something. Just stay busy and the time will fly. But the last year and a half that I've been doing this podcast has felt even longer than like the five years living at my parents' house 
because every day I talk to someone completely like I'm in my rhythm. I'm in the same mm. bed. I wake up. I walk to the same gym. I work out like you. I same walk. I couldn't tell you what happens on the walk. I come back. Mm. I take a shower. I meditate. It's the same shit. Turn on the lights. Turn on the camera. Start the Zoom meeting. And then when it's over, you know, I, I stop recording and I edit it and I edit the audio and then I upload it and then I put it on a hard drive. But the actual episode is, I mean, yesterday I talked to a Vietnam War veteran who also served in the Reagan administration. And then I also talked to a guy that worked on a nuclear submarine. And today I'm talking to you who wrote the drug user's Bible. And then after this, I'm talking to a physician that I think is from Harvard. I mean, in 24 hours, mm. I have four wild conversations with people who have relative to me very novel lives right a nuclear mm. submarine vietnam war the drug users bible a harvard doctor and when i have those little so despite being in my own rhythm right mm. from the time the podcast ends the rest of the day go to bed wake up go to the gym take a shower meditate get the podcast started that goes by like that yeah. But because I'm interspersing it with these crazy conversations, you mm. know, like I woke up today and normal day, two hours later, you and I are talking about putting drugs in your eyes. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> but like, because of that, I have this weird like hybrid of like, it goes by really quickly. But at the same time, the last year and a half has been the most rich year and a half of my life because the conversations are just so out of this world every day that I don't even really know where I'm going with this, but more so I just say, I would say I support what you're putting forward. And I think it's absolutely true. I think it's absolutely yeah. true. The yeah, more I it's, true. It's, it's, I would say it's objectively true, but what I want mm -hmm. to say is there's, there's a very interesting side to that. And it's, if you can control the throttle of your life, the speed, if you are in a bad time in your life, if you just got out of like a breakup or you just, you know, whatever, something's going on or someone in your family died or whatever. Mm. If you want that time to go by quickly, I mean, it might be the best thing to be like fall into a rhythm, focus on work. You could argue that... Or stay busy and do something else. If you, if you do some novel things, it puts more time between you and the traumatic event. Okay, actually, more good, quickly. Good, good counterpoint, good counterpoint, yeah. Yeah. Do something so that, new. Yeah, if you suddenly, you know, you went, you go to Timbuktu a lot today, but you, you suddenly, you go to Timbuktu and then you come back and then you go somewhere and do something, I don't know, go skydiving, something really bizarre, and then come back, then that's a lot of your time, time, experience time, yeah. conscious time that you've got between you and the traumatic event, and you're starting to sort of pull away from the trauma. Whereas okay. if, you, if, you, if you don't do that and, it's, you know, you're dwelling on it and your, your times, you know, when you're experiencing it's going slowly because it's a habit. Uh, but the time between you and the event is compressed okay. retrospectively because it's subconscious time rather than conscious time. Um, I, 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 maybe I should change my terminology to subconscious time versus 
conscious time as opposed to habit versus novelty, but they're the same thing. You could say subjective time versus like chronological well, time. I mean, the reason I call it novel is because the, the, the experience has to be novel because in other words, you don't go from one habitual experience to a different habit that you have because you know, it has got to be something new, some, some novelty and some novel rich experience that you actually have to, to have the effect of uh, re-imprinting the patterns. Yeah. All to do with this imprint of patterns on your, you know, in your memory banks, you, the, 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 of how you view, how you perceive the world and reality. Uh, so, uh, yeah. It's, I was thinking, for, okay, what about, so things like dieting. Dieting, I find it's good when you fall into a rhythm. You wake up, you go to the gym, you do your thing, you come back, eat the same meals, just count the calories. The days go by quickly. But uh, that's just a side note. But yeah, for novelty, it's like, so now think about what about, you know, the people that maybe just can't afford to just up and go to Timbuktu or the people. Yeah, well, it, it doesn't have to be trouble. Well, 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 that's what I mean is, and for people that, you know, I have an awesome life. I get to talk to people every day. People, yeah. Not everyone has that. I think back to summer 2013. I was taking summer courses at UGA, and that summer, I remember I was really, really getting into meditation. I've been meditating for a while, but I mean, really got into it. And um, I remember every day I would walk to campus, but I had to take a new path every day, even mm. if it was just going out the apartment a different way, or if it was walking around a gas station, or going up a hill or going through the woods or finding a garden or going through a new soccer field or something every day I made myself find a new path and sometimes mm -hmm. it only differed a little bit but I remember doing that and I vividly remember that whole summer like crawling by and I loved it because it was the summer and I was taking yeah. like one class and my life was easy but you know, it goes to like meditation. Like what if you can't, you know, what if you're busy? What if you've got kids and you have to go to the same job every day and take the same, that's yeah, kind of where. an interesting one because they're giving you novel experiences anyway. True, true. Okay, but I guess I'm looking at like how can someone experience these novel things? And I would say the cheapest way, most accessible would probably be to meditate. Meditation gives you a fresh view on yeah, everything. Yeah, you can, you can meditate. There's lots, lots of things you can actually you know, I, 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 take, take, I take drugs a lot. <laughs> or, or you could buy the Drug User's Bible <laughs> and you could find 150 no, novel things. I'm, I'm not selling the idea of you. Yeah, who gives a shit? Do it. Of the novel experience. <laughs> but yeah, meditation's one. You know, anything that takes you out of your habits into a, into a, a, a completely different zone, if you like, a, a novel zone, a, uh, out of your comfort bubble. Uh, you go somewhere locally, do something that you've never done before. Yeah. Uh, go meet some new people here and do that. Um, but, you know, just sit down and write down and plan, okay, in the next six months, I'm going to have 10 novel experiences that I've never done before that are seriously different. And then just go on the internet and try and write down what you really want to do and what the experiences it doesn't have to be traveling to different different places. It can be as long as it's re-imprinting uh, or imprinting new stuff, um, and your senses are firing at the time because it's all new, and you're having to be aware and conscious of your surroundings. 
that's the trick. Um, that's what we, you will be able to, because it's disrupting the sort of the, the sort of neural network that's 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 firm. I mean, these are people get you know. It, it's not just something; it's also thoughts. You know, people people can't get out of depression because of the constant reimprinting of the sort of the neural network of depression. Mm-hmm. They're sort of going round and round and round and round and round and can't break out of it because they're reimprinting it all the time. And the neural pathways are hard hardwired, become hardwired for depression. Um, and, you know, it's hard to get out. And one way of getting out of that is, is ayahuasca because it creates neural plasticity. Mm-hmm. And it loosens the neural networks and the imprints. So, you know, boy, if you do that, have some new imprints to put in place over the top of the, the depression and, and you, you might actually work. Um, but, yeah, you just think about situations that you can put yourself in, in which everything is new and you've not done before and you're having to have your wits about you and be conscious of the surroundings. You know, travel is an easy one because you put yourself in the middle of a, a sort of alien environment and you, you're automatically sort of wired to be alert and to take your sensory inputs seriously and imprint them seriously. Um, and that would be novel, but it doesn't have to be as long as you, it's, a, it's a situation that similarly fires all your sensory organs with, with, with new inputs. And that way... You will lengthen your life. You'll have a longer life experience, in my humble opinion. <laughs> Fuck yeah! I think that's awesome, Dom. Let's let's wrap this one up. Okay. I got to get ready for the next one. Um, that one was that was brilliant, man. That was legitimately a brilliant. I think you're that that shifted my outlook. Like that's, you know, when you go through life and there are days where you learn something new and it just kind of shifts how you look at, you know, it's like the first time you get really high and you realize that you do live on a rock in space. All of a sudden you go, the night stars don't just look like dots anymore. You go, oh, fuck, it's all moving, right? It's, you know, you know, it's... It's, I think it's something that gets more important to you as you get older. Yeah. Well, what... I said this to a kid and he goes, think, oh, his life lasts forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said it to an old man and, and it's uh, an old lady and he's like, oh my God, we should have known this 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, what the conversation today to me was a, today that was a novel experience. This, mm. this shifted my outlook on, I mean, I think, I think, I'm not even kidding. I think today's conversation perhaps shifted my outlook on the rest of my life. That's only happened a handful of times in my life. First time I did mushrooms was one. Uh, when yeah. my when my older brother died, that was one. I mean, I guess I don't know. Moving out when you're young, that's another one. Getting in, you know, getting re- if you almost die, like you almost get in a car crash, like that's one. Today, I'm yeah. not even kidding. Today was this was a conversation that not just the whole time thing, but also the. Uh, you know the 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 rabbit or the duck. It's how do yeah, you see things? To me, that looks you, like how, how, how do you experience reality? Well, I was just thinking, mm-hmm. like you know, I was like, yeah. there's a because I had seen the candle holder face one before, so that one yeah. didn't really have. I was like, yeah, I know which, it, but I hadn't seen the other one. I hadn't seen the duck rabbit. So to me, that yeah. was like an actual. What do I see, and then what do I reinforce? But to me, that had a profound effect because it's how do you start looking at life? You know, you don't get enough sleep and you wake up and 
you know, the sun's in your eyes and you couldn't, you couldn't go back to sleep. So you, you get up and you stub your toe and the dishwasher's not working. Fuck, fuck, you know, within 10, you know, those days where you wake up, and you're like, today fucking sucks. Well, today's conversation got me thinking, if you tell yourself this sucks, you're going to see a day that sucks. Yeah. If you wake up and you go, well, it's a fucking duck and you're going to see the duck. But if you go, if you go, well, let's try to see a rabbit. You might see a rabbit. So instead of, you know, I'm really busy right now. I did two episodes uh, yesterday. The people who, who actually say that, you know, you you, you 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 get what you give out. If you project love and light, yeah. you get it by the universal community. They are right. Yes. Yes. It's they're actually, it turns out they're actually right. Well, no, it's like right now I'm super busy. Like I'm dog sitting. I did two episodes yesterday. I'm doing three episodes today. I'm doing three episodes tomorrow. I'm doing two wow. episodes on Thursday. And then I'm going out of town to see family. And then I'm going to be, and to me right now, it's like my mind's all jumbled and I got so many things going on. And I'm telling myself, I'm not going to be working out. I'm not going to be sticking to my diet. I'm going to gain weight. And I've been in this sort of like negative, like this all sucks, Mm -hmm. but I'm talking to you today and I'm like, maybe it does. Maybe I can look at it as like a challenge. Maybe I can look at it as like a rise to the occasion. Okay. Find time to work out. If I can find time to sit on YouTube at night and watch stupid videos, why can't I find time to go to the gym for 10 minutes? If I, if I, you know, if I'm going to tell myself this is going to suck and I'm going to gain weight and I'm not going to, well, no, if I believe that I will, how about I look at this as a challenge? Like, let's try to stick to your diet, even though you're going to be on vacation. Something that's happening, I think it's happening for you, not to you. Yes. As Eckhart Tolle said, didn't he say he was like, when you shift your mind to look at everything that's happening to you as if you chose this to happen to you. So you stop Mm. looking at things like a parking ticket as, Oh, this sucks. It's like you set yourself up that trap. You're trying to teach yourself something, right? When you set an alarm in the morning and the alarm wakes you up, do you go, what the fuck is this noise? No, you go, oh, thank God I set that alarm or I would have slept through work. It's a completely different, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Beautiful. Thank you, Dom. This was a fantastic, this was a fantastic talk. Thank you for your therapy, Dr. Trot. Thank you very much for your therapy session. The check is in the mail. The drug user's Bible. I'll put it in the description as always. Everybody go find it. Go find our earlier episodes. We've got a whole host of them. And uh, Dom will shoot you an email. And uh, let's get back to our uh, our regular episodes. I enjoy talking to you, man. And it's uh, okay. it's been a while, but I, I think I need to fit you back in. It's it's uh, you're a fascinating guy. Okay, thanks very much. Look forward to the next one. All right, buddy. Um, have a have a good day. Uh, have have a wonderful long extended. So- you're going to find out that I go skydiving tomorrow and die. And you're going to be like, fuck, Tommy die. Have a, have a long, a long, have a long life. life. I'm, I'm dead in a field with an unopened parachute and you're charged with murder. And you're like, fuck <laughs> or not or not. All right, Dom, I'll see you, man. I'll email you this okay. episode when it's up and I'll send you an email and we'll set up another one in like September or some shit. All right. Okay. Take it easy. Take it easy. Recording stopped. All right, buddy. Peace.